I know I sound like a madman, but I've served far more. I've worked harder. I've been put in prison more often. I've been whipped times without number. And I faced death again and again. Five different times Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. And once I spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea. Remember that. We're going to tell that story today. I have traveled along many, I have traveled on many long journeys. I have faced dangers from rivers and robbers. I have faced dangers from my own peoples, the Jews, as well as from Gentiles. I have faced dangers in the city, in the deserts, and on the sea. I have faced dangers from men who claim to be believers, but are not. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 11, I have worked long, hard, already did that. I've worked long, hard, enduring many sleepless nights, and I have been hungry and thirsty, and I have often gone without food. And then he says, I have, fa- I have shivered in the cold without even clothing me, without clothing to keep warm. You know, Paul writes that in 2 Corinthians 11, and the question I have as you hear that, we didn't put it on the screen, I just want you to hear that and feel that. Have you? Have we? Have we experienced any of those type of experiences in this world when you listen to what Paul has gone through? Have you been whipped? Have you been imprisoned? Have you been on long journeys? Have you gone out in this world and engaged the gospel? The real question is this. Have you ever put your life on the line for Jesus Christ? Welcome. We're so grateful that you're here. I don't know if you came to celebrate tacos, but what we're going to do first is we're going to hear from God. And that's why we're really here. Taco is the fringe part of celebrating and worshiping God. But really, it's hearing and listening to God. And the question is, have you? Have you put your life on the line for Jesus Christ? Long ago, I remember the day, me and Jeremy went out to lunch. We weren't supposed to do lunch together, but we went out to lunch together anyways. That's a whole other sermon series. And we went out and we wrote on a napkin what journey was going to be about. It was going to be a church that was encouraging. It was a church that was going to inspire you to engage. And it was going to be encouraging, convicting, and it was going to be something that was going to take you to a place of real authentic relationship with Jesus Christ. We want to challenge you. And God said that if you obey these two scriptures... Mark chapter 12, verse 30 and 31, that says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and love others. If you follow that scripture and love the world one person at a time, you will grow. And he said in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it says, If you're a church that takes that little text and says, We're going to open up the word of God and we're going to read and we're going to devote to the word of God. And if you have food as well as communion like tacos... And if you pray and you live for the community of God, the church will go. And guess what's happened? We've been serving food and fellowship and community and prayer for the last 12 years. And God continues to grow the church. And so, honestly, I have this napkin in my garage. And once 
My daughter's moving this week. Once she moves out, and I don't want to start crying, so I'm not going to say that. But as she moves, I'm going to try and find the napkin. And this napkin says we're going to be spiritually driven. We're going to let the Spirit of God drive us. And that's why journey anything can happen. Because we let the Spirit of God drive us to that place. And God says, if you just are obedient to me, God will do wonderful things. I was just talking to one of my buddies, like, you change your life, and all of a sudden, all the things change, and blessings come from multiple places. We, as a church here, if you're new, and if you've been around, we strive to be authentic, just like those tacos. Just a few minutes. Hold on. You're going to start smelling them. They're authentic. But here's the thing. We strive to be authentic. You know what that word means? The word actually means real, bona fide, genuine, legitimate, the real thing. We strive to do that because that's what God wants. We come up here and we want to share the gospel. We share our lives. We try and give you the truth of what's going on in the real world and not stick to commentary that was written hundreds and hundreds of years ago. Because we want to give you the opportunity to hear the voice of God in our day and age. And I think that's really what God is. And the truth is, it's our strength. I was out yesterday at our booth at the, at the Heritage Fair. And people were saying, I know, Journey, I've heard really good things. I heard it's a really authentic church. And that's the truth. And it's not because of me or anybody else. It's because you people are authentic when people walk into the door. So give yourself a hand and praise God for that. We're doing this sermon series called Miracle. Who needs a miracle? Yeah. If you're online, put your hands up. If you're outside, put your hands up and cheer. We all know that we need miracles happening in our life. And God continues to drive us to this place of understanding miracles. And this summer, we're going through a bunch of stories, Old Testament and New Testament, to experience the miracles that God has for us. And listen... I don't know if you guys know the whole story. Journey is a miracle. 2010, in the middle of summer, this place started. It was, the economy was way worse back then. Nobody had jobs. Unemployment was over 10 or 11%. People were losing homes. There was no money to the point where we didn't take an offering for six months because there was no money. Everybody that was here was basically unemployed. And they said, don't start a church in that kind of economy. And we're like, we're not. God is. And it's a miracle. Eugene Peter writes this, and this is the essence of the sermon series. Miracle through the biblical tradition is not what we don't understand, but what God has done for us that we can't do for ourselves. Miracle is a function of God. It's functional. He continues to write... It's what God does for us or does for us through other people that we can't do for ourselves. The word miracle, Eugene writes, does not mean that which is beyond our comprehension, but that which is beyond our ability. Because only God can. That's the idea of this sermon series, and that's the premise of where we're at today. And here's the main point of the message. We're going to dig into Acts 28, the last book of the history of the church, Acts 28. It's the last part of that book. And I, I found this quote again. I did this in a sermon several years ago. But here's a quote from C.S. Lewis, and this is really the main thesis of the message. You never know how much you really believe until its truth or falsehood become a matter of life and death. When you're in the hospital bed or when you get the call from the doctor 
or when you see the papers come across the table that says divorce, or when you hear that your kid is hurt, or when the finances are gone, and the bank saying you're negative $27, or like me, 270 not today, many years ago. That's when you decide, is what I believe true, or is what I believe false? When you really start to put your life on the line. And that's what the idea of this message is. And here's what I want you to kind of dwell on today. Authentic experience. Authentic experience. That's really the core message. At one point, the apostle Paul writes about being shipwrecked, beaten, shipwrecked, stranded on this, uh, on this floating boat heading to nowhere. And that's where our story begins today. The Apostle Paul is heading towards Rome. He's a prisoner for Jesus. And he's heading towards Rome because he's told the people that I appeal to Caesar. And God wanted him to go before the leader of uh, the, the empire of Rome. That's the whole purpose of this message. And that's the whole purpose of Paul's travels and his last journey. And so here's what's happening. There's a night of a great storm. That's happened and there's no more sails. The masts are broken down and it's been two weeks of literal hell on the ocean. And the morning comes and the whole, the book says they were praying just for morning to come. You ever had those moments where you're like, man, if the sunlight comes, I might make it through the night. And that's what they were praying for. And then the morning comes, the storm kind of releases and all of a sudden like, hey, there's an island. I think we can make it. And they just beeline right for the island. And as they head towards the island, guess what happens? Storm comes, runs them uh, uh, into like a reef. The whole of the ship has a hole and it starts to sink. And all of a sudden, the captain says, kill all the prisoners, including the apostle Paul, because we don't want them to swim for freedom. But God in his glory spared Paul's life. And in the chaos, God showed up. And that's where our story begins. But here's what I want to do. I want you to get involved in the story, okay? So remember the last time you were cold, wet, hungry, angry, right? You remember that? Think of that time, and that's what's happening. These people have been on the ocean for two weeks. They're wet. They haven't eaten. They're struggling, and they're, they're, they're feeling miserable. Have you ever been camping and there's not enough heat? Not fun. So everybody act like you're cold. If you're outside, everybody shiver outside. You hear that? They're really shivering. It's hot out there. If you're online, just put some emojis with something cold. But we're trying to get in the story. I, had a, I went to a conference a couple years ago, and this guy, Chris, uh, is kind of one of the guys that's helped uh, drive our church and lead us. He says this, you got to jump into the text. you got to find yourself. In this story, there's 276 people on this boat. Act like you're one of those people as we experience 10 verses from the book of Acts. And I promise you, if you do that, you will get a lot out of the message today. So here's what's happened. They've ran aground. Now they see the shore. And here's what Paul says, Acts 28, verse 1. Once we were safe, once we were safe on the shore, we learned that we were on the island of Malta. The people on the island were very kind to us. It was cold and rainy, and so they built a fire on the shore to welcome us. You remember how warm that fire is when you're super cold? And all of a sudden, 
That's where this story begins. Let's pray. Father, we love you, and we are so grateful for all the things Ken was celebrating, all the prayers, all the tears, all the beautiful things that you've done. We ask in your name that you give us more grace and more mercy, and let us use the, this building and use the things in this community to bless your people, Lord. Let us get outside of ourselves and allow more of God and less of me. Lord, we ask today be a blessing so that we can literally change this world one person at a time, not because we want them to change and not to change like us, because you want them to change for your glory. In the name above all names, Jesus Christ and all God's people said, amen. amen. So here's the key point of today's message. Experiences create authenticity. Experiences. So think of some experiences that you had and how they create authenticity. If you had some experience, if you've been on the ocean, if you've been cold and, and struggling and wet and, and just in miserable uh, times, you understand that. My parents had a sailboat and we used to sail and I hated it. I didn't like to be cold. I threw up the whole time. It was miserable. And that experience I never want to have again. But it's authentic. And it's something that I understand. So if you have that same experience, it creates authenticity. And that's what we're trying to do is celebrate and understand authenticity. The apostle Paul is revered. That means he is applauded. He's looked at as one of the great apostles, a super apostle. And he's revered because of his crazy experiences. I just read a short chapter, 2 Corinthians 11. Look it up. Verse 23 to 26. That's the apostle. So Paul's just a little bit of his story in one and a half minutes. And he is revered because he's had these experiences. And because of that, they're written down in the Bible. And we are to look at them and say, man, this guy's done a lot. And those experiences then have a tug on our heart to want to do more for the kingdom of God. So here's the story. The seamen, the people that ran the boat, knew the island of Malta. But if you look at the text, they came on the wrong side of the island. The island has two sides. The normal port entry is on the, 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 the land side, but they came from the seaside. And so they didn't realize where they were at. So it says in the text that we read, it says they learned they were on the island of Malta because they didn't realize where they're coming from. So they came from the seaside. They usually come from the land side. And so that's kind of what's happening. Happened. And it just kind of shows you that God's grace. I mean, we, we went to Hawaii. I don't even know how you find Hawaii. If I was in a boat, I'd end up in Indonesia or something because I had no idea how to find that with the compass or anything. But the, the, God directed them to this place. The island of Malta actually means in the Greek, it means honey. We sang a song about honey in the rock. God provides the sweetness of this world and it's his plan and purpose. That's what the actual word Malta means. But in the Phoenician, the ancient Phoenician language, it actually means refuge. And it's probably what named that region from the ancient Phoenicians many years before the Greeks. And it was a refuge. It says they found refuge as they came to the island. And the people were kind and welcoming. And they were cold and shivering and they built a fire. So this really was a refuge to them. And that's what Malta really means. Verse 3. As Paul gathered an armful of sticks and was laying them on, uh, laying them on the fire... A poisonous snake driven out of the heat bit him in the hand. What? So here's the point of this. Uh, here's the point. Let me just give you some commentary. Even when you're serving God, the snake still bites. 
right? So who hates snakes? Really? I had a friend that has a snake refuge. Oh, I left the bag open. <laughs> I have a friend. Ooh, I have a friend that. Do you guys do you seriously? You guys don't like snakes? I had a friend that loaned me a snake. Oh. Ow! And listen, I've been bitten by snakes five or six times, literally, because I've owned snakes my whole life. So again, I have an authentic experience. Thanks. I have an authentic experience with snakes. And because I have an authentic experience, I understand the text because I had some experiences in my life that have shown me. And so if you hate snakes, I didn't necessarily like snakes until my mom introduced me to them. And then I got bit by that snake. Thanks, mom. Been in counseling for years because of that. <laughs> the point is this. Authentic experiences creates realness in our life. And it then holds us so that we can go, man, I understand. I hate snakes. I've touched a snake. And I understand it. And that's what the text is really speaking to me about. Here's what it says. The people of the island saw that it was hanging from his hand. So the apostle Paul, he's out there doing what he's normally doing, just serving people. And he's got this snake hanging on his hand. It says, they said to each other, a murderer, no doubt. He escaped the sea and justice will not permit him to live. It was a poisonous snake. Now, here's the thing about the snake. It's hanging off of Paul's hand. Paul's a faithful man of God, living as a true servant. But this didn't keep him from being bitten or going through trials. Do you guys experience that? You believe and you love and I'm sitting at church and I'm worshiping and I'm crying and guess what happens? I'm going to leave and I'm still going to have trials this week. I did this week. You know, I got trials and anger and frustration and all these things that have happened. But the point is that that doesn't mean God is bad. It just means that's how life is. And that's how what God wants to use us. So in his humble service, a viper bit him. And it just didn't nibble. The actual text says it stuck to his hand like a pit bull. And so he's got this snake hanging off on his hand. And the best part about the story is this. He's getting bit and he doesn't yell, why God, why me? I'm a servant of the Most High. I plant more churches. I've been whipped. I've been beaten. I, I, I put everything in my life. Why God, me? That's what I do. I spill a little coffee. Why God, me? <laughs> Honestly, that's no joke. The best thing of the story is Paul just kind of shakes it off. He's not complaining. He's not wondering why 200, some of the 275 other people didn't help out. He's just got this snake hanging to his hand. That's amazing. That's the best part. And here's what the people in the audience or the people that were watching were saying was about Paul. They're saying the natives said, man, he must be a murderer because he survived two weeks at sea and stranded at shore. But this guy just did all this miraculous stuff and now he's on the ocean, but not on the land. But he must be a murderer because he gets there and this poisonous snake, first thing, jumps on his hand and is stuck. 
See, they believed in the goddess of justice. You guys ever seen the picture of what she looks like? The goddess of justice looks very similar to uh, our, our, our uh, Lady Liberty. They believed in the goddess of justice. She's a Greek goddess, and that they had the even scales. They believed that. We believe in the God of the universe and his justice and his righteousness. It's a little bit different. It's not that, that you know, that's not that justice lady's good, not bad. The point is we believe in the one true God that is the ultimate justice. And so I'm grateful, but you really need to clap and make sure that's what you really believe. Because sometimes the justice doesn't go the way that you vote or think or do. Because God allows things to happen for a reason, and we just don't understand it. And that doesn't mean I like it. I'm just telling you that's what the idea here is. There's a psalm that a psalmist writes in Psalm 89, 14 says, The righteousness and the justice are the foundation of your throne, O Lord. The righteousness and the justice, that's the foundation of who he is. And what does it say? It's driven or it's, it, it's love and faithfulness that go before it. And so in essence, here's the God that we serve, this omnipotent God that's everywhere and everything and all of this stuff. His love and his faithfulness is what's driving him. But really the core part of who he is, is justice and righteousness. That's who he is. And he can't, he can't lie. He can't steal. He can't cheat. He can't manipulate. He can only be good. The problem is, is humans don't understand his good. And so we complain. It's not just people outside that are non-believers. Oh, Christians, we complain. Our God is mighty. He's driven by love and faith. But he also has great morality. And, you know, it's tough. It's tough. But we, shall, we too shall get through this, and this too shall pass. And God's glory will reign, and we just have to fight through that. Verse 5, but Paul shook off the snake in the fire. Let me shake it off. And he was unharmed. And the people waited for him to swell up and, or suddenly drop dead. But when they waited a long time and they saw he wasn't harmed, they changed their minds and decided he was a god. I have this experience as well. Not that people thought I was a god. But instantly this man was an enemy because they're thinking easily this guy's a murderer because he's got bitten by this poisonous snake. Now they see that he's not going to die. Man, he must be a god. I have this same experience where I met someone and... When I first met them, they were kind of my arch enemy. But through experiences and through things that have happened, they became friends, and some of them became great friends. You guys have that experience? Yeah. And that's what's happened here, and that's an authentic experience. The idea here is to understand the Bible is trying to speak to us no matter where we're at, what we believe, whatever we live, and however sin that we struggle with, and we all have sin. So don't act like we're not sin-free. Don't claim anybody else's sin. Deal with your own stuff. Don't worry about anybody else's. And when you do that, that's the offering and love that God has given us. And that's what we see in this place. God didn't preserve Paul from the storm just to let him die by a snake bite. Paul had a purpose, and Paul had a plan, and Paul was protected by a promise. Look it up. Don't believe me. Look it up. Acts chapter 23, verse 11. Don't trust me. I'm just a man. 
You need to look at the text and make sure if you want to see what happened on 27, read it and understand. And hopefully you'll see what is really being said. And if I've made a mistake, you should correct me. That's what the Bible says. In Acts chapter 23, 11, Paul was told by God that he was going to go to Rome. So the, the stormy nights on the sea and a snake bite was not going to stop God. The beautiful thing about this story is God, if he promises it, it comes true. God promised us long ago if we did a few simple things with this church, with me and Madison and Liz and Jeremy and Heidi, Jeff Foss, we do a few simple things that God's promise will come true. He's like, I'm not going to destroy this church. I made this church. And that's a promise that we rest on. And so when times get tough in the middle of COVID, in the middle of a financial crisis, we don't cower down. We actually go, God is big. And when we give, like when we gave to Mary, we're trusting that God, regardless if our coffers are small, God is big and he can fill those in a heartbeat. Yeah. That's a powerful point. Three people, praise God. Let me take a break for a sec. That wasn't powerful for me. It was what God is saying. The idea here is that nothing, the idea here is not that nothing would stop Paul. Too often men, women get in the way of like, well, I'm doing this for the kingdom of God. That's not the point really at all. It's something completely different. It's not Paul wouldn't be stopped. It God wouldn't be stopped. The beautiful thing about God is if he promises it, it comes true. And even though Paul is the super apostle, God is really saying nothing can stop God for fulfilling his promises. If God has whispered something in your heart long ago, then you need to know it's going to come true. The reality is God moved in a very real and powerful way, and he's moving again. Paul sa God said to Paul, we're going to Rome. You're going to meet Caesar. And Paul knew it. And he knew the snakes or the sea wasn't going to stop him from getting there. Because he knew somehow, some way, even if a big fish had to get him there, he would get him there and spit him out in Rome. That's what he knew. I have a friend that I met several years ago. This, is, this isn't on, on my notes. Uh, I had a friend several years ago. His name's Mike Culver. And somebody birthday party up, up the street at one of the park and recs, uh, parks. And this guy, Mike, and me started talking, and he was in ministry, and he was a worship leader for many years and done all kinds of jobs. But he never got to the senior pastor level. But he told me uh, that day, he goes, yeah, it's been crazy. I've been in ministry for 40-plus years, and God told me that I was going to lead my own church one day. God's promise. This guy was getting older, and he was kind of getting ready to retire. Now... About four months ago, Mike passed away through cancer. But the beautiful thing is about what happened during COVID is a church in Ojai kind of shrunk down, lost their senior pastor. He left to another part of the country. They called him and said, Mike, we need a pastor. Will you take over the church, sing worship with your family? His family are very musical. And can you do it? And he got to lead that church for six months before he died. It doesn't say how long you can lead a church. It just says that you will lead a church. And too often we forget that about our life. 
We think it's going to be this amazing, I'm going to speak in front of 50,000 every Sunday. That's just not the premise of God. The main idea is that nothing can stop our God. Nothing on earth, nothing in heaven, nothing from hell, and nothing in the universe can stop God from keeping his promises to you and me. And it's not a political movement. It's a God movement. And we trust in that and believe in that. And in the long run, God is going to be glorified. The Apostle Paul writes in Romans chapter 8, verse 18, he writes this about suffering. And he understood suffering. He had an authentic experience with suffering. He says, I consider that our present sufferings are not nothing compared with the glory that will be revealed to us in the future. What's going to be revealed to us? Not heaven and all the riches and all the good deeds. The glory that's being revealed is that we're going to be with God. The scariest thing in my life is I'm going to live apart from God. And so I'm working very hard to practice with my relationship with God. So then when I get to heaven, I'm going to know God and I'm going to have a relationship and I'm going to be in his presence. That's the, the beauty of it. And nothing compares all the suffering on this earth, all the chaos that we go through, all the things that we kind of let hold us back. Nothing can compare to that glory. Verse 7 says, near the shore where they landed, there was an estate belonging to Publius, the chief official of the land. He welcomed us and treated us kindly for three days. This was a great blessing. I don't know if you guys have ever been, I don't know if you've ever been on like a cruise or, you know, my parents would take us to Catalina. And our, our boat went like six miles an hour. <laughs> six miles, and that's cranked. I mean, we're like, we're rowing to get to six miles an hour. And Catalina's about 30, 30 miles, and I'm throwing up every up and down. Oh, my gosh. And can, can we go any faster? And we're seeing speedboats drive right by, and I'm like, please take me. I'm stranded. Please. You'd be shocked. That's not in my notes either. But this was a great blessing. They were on the sea for two weeks. And it was a struggle. There was great misery, great chaos, great confusion to the point where they wanted to kill the Apostle Paul. And now they land on this island of Malta, which actually means refuge. And now the, the governor, Publius means governor, the governor invites them and they treat them. And now they're in R&R. &R and, and what that means for us is they're in this place of rest, relaxation, but really replenishment and relief from the trials. That's what God gives us when we go through seasons like that. That's amazing. And that's what's happened. Here's what happens in verse 8. As it happened, Publius's father was ill with fever and dysentery. And we'll get back to dysentery in just a second. Paul went in and prayed for him, laying his hands on him, and he was healed. That's the second miracle. The first miracle is he was bitten by a snake. And maybe the first miracle was they made it to land. Right? And then bitten by a snake. And he survived a poisonous snake. And now he goes out. He's got probably some, some fang marks in his hand. Takes those hands and he lays it upon this guy and prays. And now there's another miracle. And here's what happens in verse 9. Then all the other sick people on the island came and were healed. 
That last healed is an important word. So Paul is fearless. He has experience, and he's like, I'm going to go out, and I've been bitten, but now these people know that Jesus is alive, and I'm going to heal and pray, and I'm going to do what I do. And so Paul does it. It's a three-for-one or fourth-for-one birthday special today. All the miracles in just ten verses in Acts. This isn't a matter of a couple of days. Just like Jesus. Jesus would heal someone on the way to heal someone. Just like journey, at the end of service, somebody can be lost and desperately struggling with, the, with depression and anxiety. And one of the prayer warriors will pray. And something can relieve so that they can get to a place of resolution. We believe that here. The word heal in the end of verse 9 is not the customary word for miracle healing. It was something different. I really like this part of the story. The word literally means to receive medical attention. So the first healing from Publius' father was a healing from God. The second one was a healing from Christian medical missionaries. If you've ever, one of the reasons that we go to medical missionary trips is like a disaster. Red Cross is a Christian organization that's morphed into a corporation that's a little bit Christian because they have a cross, but it's switched into something else. But it's still one of the first on site. And the idea is let's bring medical supplies, clean water, clean food, and, and stuff to do it. And that's what's happened here. It says that maybe Luke was on this mission. Luke was a doctor. If you look at Colossians chapter 4, 14, Luke was a doctor. And these people basically helped them with dysentery. Anybody had dysentery before? It's not fun. If you've ever been out, it is not fun. It could last up to four months. And so basically they went in and said, hey, your practices on cleaning and stuff needs to help. And they helped this island. So when they left, they really had touched this island. Here's what verse 10 says. As a result, they were showered with honors. And when time came to sail, the people in this island supplied us with everything that we would need for the trip to Rome. This island was radically touched by God because of one faithful man had authentic experience and he wasn't going to be stopped by a, a, a boat shipwreck. He wasn't going to be stopped by a snake or a sick governor's dad. He knew that God was good and God wanted to do something. And I'm sure today there's still on the island of Malta many people celebrating because of what Paul did 2,000 years ago. C.S. Lewis writes, you never know how much you really believe until something, until the truth or falsehoods come to a matter of life or death. When you come to that point and you hear the phone call, you have cancer, or you're getting a divorce, or the car's been repoed, or the house is in foreclosure, you really know, do I believe in a God that can do anything, or is it all just a bunch of phony baloney? And it's your choice. But I promise you, we all come to that day. And my challenge is that you cling to Jesus the whole way. Because in the end, there's victory. There's victory. So hold on. Don't quit before the miracle happens. Paul is one that walks above and beyond. Are you? Walks above and beyond. He put his life out there for the gospel. Are you? He walks in a way that really challenges us. And sometimes I read this and I feel ashamed. It's like, man, I could do more. 
And I know I'm going to get 20 texts after. Jeff, you do enough. Take a break. I had a little blowout the other night. I got a lot of stuff going on. I get it. But in my heart, I'm like, I could do more. I can touch 10 people and tell them about Jesus. And I don't care if they come to church. Go to any church. This isn't the right church. If that's not, find a church and and celebrate that church. But listen, my life is a gift. My life should be an offering to God. My life on at least every day, I should have an impact with someone's life for the glory of God. Just one person. It could take three seconds. This is my life. And my life should be used to promote Christ. Why? Well, look what he's done. Drug addict, alcoholic, locked up, divorced, lost his kids. That's the God that I know because he fixed all of that. And my trials and my struggles are far behind because God has moved me into a greater place. So are you shipwrecked today? Are you feeling broken? Has this world beat you up? Are you drifting in this world? Are you doubting? Doubting's not bad as long as you do something with it. Are you lost? Are you broken? Are you in despair? Are you discouraged? If you are, you're in the right place because we're going to have tacos in a minute. But before that, we're going to receive Christ or we're going to have Christ do something powerful in our life. Here's what the Apostle Paul writes, and this is the close of the message today. 2 Corinthians 4. We now have this light shining in our heart, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this treasure. This makes it clear that our our great power is from God, not for ourselves. Listen, I just can't suit up and do more. That's not what the text says. My heart and the enemy wants to think it's about me. But really, it's not about me doing more. It's a lot of me allowing God to do more in me. And then it overflows from me and spills over into the laps of other people around me. So it's not about me. It's about the power of God. And that's what the text says. We are pressed on every side by troubles, we are, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but we are not to despair. We are hunted down, but we are never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. The, the, the proverb says, the, the, the wicked are fall down once, and they stay down forever. But a Christian, a child of God, a believer, it says, they get knocked down, and they get up seven times because they know the victories in Christ. So we're not knocked down and destroyed. We just got to get up. And hopefully you've surrounded yourself with a community to say, help. And they help. Verse 10. Though the suffering of our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus Christ, so that the life in Jesus may be seen in our bodies. Through authentic experiences in Christ, my body should shine Jesus. Through all my brokenness, all of my cracks, all of the things that I've done wrong, God is glorified. All the things that I've, all the people that I've heard in my previous life before Jesus, God can glorify. I have a friend in high school right now that was dying yesterday. And people here, oh, Jeff's a pastor? That's amazing. That guy's an idiot. 
but they're calling and asking, can you have your church pray? And today his eye opened and he started to cry. And it's through our brokenness that God uses our lives. Verse 11, we live constant, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus so that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. So we live in the face of death, but this, is the re, this results in eternal life for you. Honestly, those last two verses don't apply to Christians in America today. When's the last time you faced death? That post you made with a few negative comments, that's not death. It doesn't really apply. The persecution we get here is so small and so limited that we can't even invite someone to church or tell, tell our story about Jesus. This doesn't really apply to us anymore. We've kind of walked away from this because we're so used to the God of comfort and safety instead of the God of, universe, the, God of the universe. That this text for us, we just kind of go, yeah, I don't face that anymore. But we can. We can. So what do I do? If I want to do something, the first thing I need to do is have an experienced, authentic relationship with God. I must die to self. Ugh, I hate that. I've got to lose myself in his word. I can remember Dustin saying, get lost in worship, get lost in prayer, get lost. I got to lose myself into his word and trust, even if I don't like all of his words, that the word is going to come true. I've got to give up my will. And what that means is I give up my wants and my desires, my dreams, my opinions, my preferences. That doesn't sound fun. That sounds horrible. But that's what we do. Because then God gives you what you're supposed to have and uses you to bring glory to him, not to you. So what can we do to put our life on the line? Here's a couple of things and then we'll get out of here. First is, is outreach. Yesterday, a group of us went out to the Camarillo Heritage Fair and we were out there and we were outreaching. We were putting ourselves in the middle of people's lives saying, hey, we have a crazy church. The pastor is funny. <laughs> See? Yeah, it was funny. Thanks, bud. It's the first time they've laughed in weeks. But we put ourselves in outreach. There's outreach that we are doing. If you want to do outreach, my sister Kim is the outreach pastor. She'll be out there. She'd love to connect you to all the things that we do. And we do do a lot and we are going to be more. To grow this church back to where we were pre-COVID, we're just going to go get new people. And bring them into the kingdom of God. And some are going to stay and some are going to go to other churches. But we're just going to bring in new people. You know why? This is a great church and they really love people and it's authentic. And we can do that. That's the first thing. The second is go on a mission trip. Get out there and take it. I know that we're not traveling much and you might get COVID on an airplane. But maybe that's the death you're supposed to face. We have mission trips and we are going to start doing them again. Go out on mission and I promise you, 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 will, uh, you will experience that. Me and David Jackson got into a gang fight in Mexico. Really wasn't a gang fight. It was a bunch of kids and a couple of sticks. But man, it was a gang fight. They were really big. They were big kids. I mean, they were big. You know what? Persecution, invite someone. When's the last time you invited someone to church? 
If you're here today by inviting someone, 86% of the people that come to church and receive faith are personally invited. And they stay. You know why? Because I know someone at church because they invited me. How about this? Share your testimony. Tell them, man, I used to be lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, and now I see. Well, what do you see? I see God, and I see a different life. How about pray for someone? Just go up and go, hey, God's telling me to pray for you. I know it sounds weird, but I'm just going to pray. And you go, Lord, do what you want to do in Jesus' name and whatever they need. Amen. Put yourself out there for the gospel. Serve. Give. Give when it's painful. And watch God work. That means you trust. Jeremiah 32, 27 says this, I am the Lord, the God of all the people in the world. Is there anything too hard for me? Let's pray. Father, we love you. And we claim you as victor. And we know that in your love and in your grace that we get to experience you. Thank you for what you've done for all of us and what you're going to do in the future. And I pray for that miracle that needs to be done online right now. In the name of Jesus, let that miracle happen. And I pray for that person lost outside that feels lonely and disconnected, that in your glory that you show yourself. And I pray right now in Jesus' name that your spirit moves right to that woman right here that's desperate for something in her life to change. Release the anxiety, release the fear, release the depression. And finally, Lord, if there's someone here online or outside that doesn't know Jesus, all they have to do is confess with their mouth, believe in their heart, say a simple prayer, and let God guide them. And if that's you here today, let's just pray this simple prayer. Father, we love you and we praise you, and we celebrate you, and we know that in your glory that you heal, that you transform, and that you make new. I give my life to you. Forgive me of my sin, and help me live a different life for your kingdom. Come into my heart and soul and be my Lord and Savior. You died upon the cross for me, and you rose so that I can be with you in eternity forever. And I ask the Holy Spirit to take over my life and guide me in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's celebrate more today.